Brett, sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. No, thank you. Look out. There's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an iHeartRadioer, and I love film. As George Santanyana once said, the family is one of nature's masterpieces. The other is Jurassic Park 2, The Lost World. It's wildly underrated, particularly the scene with the splintering windshield. Yes, George, you're right. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Jamila Jamil, Mark Frost, Sharon Stone, and even Brad Clambles. But this week, it's the excellent actor Himesh Patel. You can watch all of Shrinking on Apple TV+, and you can watch nearly all of Ted Lasso Season 3. So far, you can get Episodes 1 to 8, all on Apple TV+. Watch them. Love it. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get an extra 20 minutes of chat with Himesh. He tells me a secret. We talk about the best beginnings and endings of films. You get the whole episode uncut, ad-free, and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Himesh Patel. Himesh Patel is a lovely and brilliant actor. You know him from yesterday, you know him from Tenet, and you know him from his Emmy-nominated performance in Station Eleven. We recorded this on Zoom just a few days ago. And one of the things we talk about a lot, actually, is his nine years on the show EastEnders. Now, if you don't live in England, you might not know what that is. It's one of the biggest shows in England, probably the biggest show in England. It's a soap that has been on forever, is on forever, on at night. It's very well done. It's excellent. He was in it for nine years. We talk about that. So when I'm talking about EastEnders, that's what we're talking about. All right. He's a lovely bloke. And I really think you're going to love this episode. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 245 of Films to be Buried with. Hello, 
and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by an actor, a superstar, a film star, an EastEnder, a Station Elevener, an Avenue Fiver, a Tenet No Numberer, a legend, a hero, a husband, a father, and a lover, at least three times a week, according to the news. Please welcome, he's here, can we believe it, an Emmy nominee, an award winner, a beautiful man. Here he is. I can't believe it. He's right in front of me. It's Mr. Himesh Patel! Hello. Thanks for having me. Hi. Uh... What, what's the, according to the news, three times a week, I'm a lover? Is that a uh, I think it was just a headline in the, in the news that comes out every week that three times a week, at least three times a week, you make love. Uh, I don't know what papers you read, but... I personally make love. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. It was like in the, you know, often in the sort of, in other news, like it's a positive thing. It's not a... Yeah, no, it's... A, it's a negative. It's still a very interesting insight into my uh, my, my personal life. PR people? Yeah. yeah. But look, I mean, it's... I uh, I'll, I'll just no comment that one. Hibes, thank you for doing this. You're in England right now, in your attic. Is that true? I'm in my attic, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's it's where I have my my little office. It's not like I've been consigned to the attic to do this. You haven't been banished. Yeah. No, Himesh, can we can I ask you a few questions about your life and career? Yeah, you are a movie star and a legend. You started in EastEnders. I didn't realize how long you were in EastEnders. You were in EastEnders for how long? Nine, nine years. Yeah, nine years. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Can you, in um, one sentence, summarize what that's like? <laughs> One sentence, did you say a word? Sentence. No, you could have more, you could have more sentences. I'd actually like to hear quite a bit about it. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I'd have nothing without it. You know, it was every, I was 16, I sort of plucked from obscurity mm. in a little village. And uh, yeah, right time, right place, and um, definitely the right role, because uh, I'll be honest, I was basically playing myself when I first started. Right. <laughs> you know, to some degree. And some may argue I'm doing it to this day. But... Um, I couldn't have imagined anything more at the beginning, you know. So it's quite overwhelming, really, mm. looking back on on that. And that was half my life ago, and and yeah, it is. I, I it's an odd thing for me to think that I was there for nearly a decade. Yeah, because it feels like a lot has happened since, obviously. But I, I did so much growing up there as a person, as an actor. I learned so much. I was so lucky to work with a lot of very very good actors who were there to 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 work, you know, and and make make it all as good as it could be, you know, because there's a huge workload, so many episodes every week. Yeah. And there's a like danger a, that you're an, also... An office job. You yeah, go every day, yeah. right? Every day, nine to five. Basically, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, there's a danger that you can start sort of spreading yourself thin, but I, I was just lucky that I, I I was surrounded by people who, they loved what they, they do. They, they love being actors. And mm. they wanted to turn up to work every day and make it make it great. And so I learned a lot about being an actor and, and and my craft and 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 actually the fact that it's hard work you know it's not about fame it's about doing good work and it, you know, it really does as I say it instills a, a hard work ethic the areas I work in now of like you know TV different types of TV and film the time you have mm. is just such a luxury you know it'll always feel like a luxury to yeah. me though <laughs> that you're like okay well we've got to light the scene now so I'll see you in an hour I'm like wow. <laughs> It's incredible that we get. <laughs> We'd have done just, an episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 
Um, the side of it, it's interesting you say it's not about fame, and I, I agree and I believe with you, I, but I also am aware of these sort of side effects of being in EastEnders in particular. I think it's a certain type of fame, right? You're, you're very, very, very famous in England if you're in EastEnders, and you're famous in a way... I remember I made a short film with someone who, who was in EastEnders. I, I was try, we were trying to get a shot with him outside in the morning, and we couldn't. We just couldn't, because people just kept walking past going, EastEnders! <laughs> and yeah, we couldn't shoot. And I, and I remember thinking, God, this is a certain type of fame that's actually quite, I imagine, must be quite difficult, because yeah. it, it, not only are you very, very familiar to people, you're in the home all the time, you're, like, it seemed in a way that maybe is different to if someone sees Brad Pitt, they might be like, oh my God, Brad Pitt. If someone sees someone from EastEnders, they feel like their family or their friend or there's something very, very familiar where they go like, bloody hell, there you are, how you doing, mate? Like, how, how was that for nine years? I think it's, it, it's that, it's, yeah, the, the familiarity is one thing, but they're not familiar with you, the person. They're exclusively familiar with the character. So, you know, yes. no one knew my name. They didn't know who Himesh was. They knew right. Tamwa. And so they were just, they, that's what they'd say. As time wore on, I got quite lucky in that I, I looked very different to my character. As a concerted effort, I was like, you know, I'm not going to wear glasses okay. in real life and I'm going to, you know, dress differently. And in a way it was calculated, in a way it was just me growing into my own person. But it just meant that I didn't, as much as other friends of mine who were on the show, who, you know, even even friends of mine who left the show years ago, who still, they, they still feel a bit, sort of insecure in, in, in the times because it is, it is really expert. And people, it's a type of fame, a type of sort of way that people approach you that is just different to what I've experienced since doing something like Yesterday or whatever, where what I have mm. with that, with being in films and that sort of thing now is I don't notice it because people aren't so ready to sort of come up to you and be quite yeah. informal, <laughs> which people always will be with soap actors because of that familiarity thing and that they think... Yeah. A lot of them genuinely think you're your character. They understand you're an actor, but they also don't, they're not drawing enough of a line between the two things. And that's yeah. a very odd thing to experience. And I still, I, I'd say over here, I largely get recognized for EastEnders still wow. more than anything in terms of people approaching me. Yeah. And when you do EastEnders, is it all year? Is your contract a year or does it have gaps? I actually don't know. Yeah, it's all yeah. I think I think if I if I unless it's changed now, I, I had like about two weeks of holiday I could take. Wow! And I had to book that in well in advance because obviously they're storylining like you know half a year and more in yeah. advance. So they've already got like a rough schedule out, and they're like, and you you could go to them and go, can I book a holiday in you know four months? And they're like, no, sorry, mate. Yeah, you're gonna be in, you're gonna be in solid. There's a big storyline coming in. So. You know, it's a funny existence, but it, you're it, a, you're a, you're about to cheat on someone. Oh fuck! I yeah, damn it! I, it was all I knew, of course. So then it's been funny, sort of evolving yeah. away from that and going. Oh, I can just just go on a holiday when I want to go on a holiday. <laughs> so when you, I don't know your story. So did you did you choose to leave? Were you asked like like nine years? How did you? How did it end? I chose. I chose to leave. Yeah, I. It was my choice. I. I, I was coming up to, as I said, to about nine years. And I think, uh, you know, there's a thing that happens on soaps where a lot of it gets becomes like sort of heightened, uber heightened sort of melodrama of like buildings mm. exploding and people killing each other and whatever. And the thing about my character on that show that I loved was that he, it just felt like he was sort of on the outside of the genre, as it were. <laughs> it felt like right. he was on the outside of everything sort of going, this is all a bit weird, isn't it? And so I thought I, eventually, you know, his time will come. And I don't know if that, I want it to be that. 
at the time, the character mm. was in a relationship and the actress, my, my friend Maddie, had, had made the choice to leave. And I was like, well, I'm going to leave too because I want them to leave together and be happy. Um, uh. and, so, and so we left and we're happy. Since then, Maddie went back to the show on her own and it turned out we'd gotten divorced off screen. So oh, fuck. that's a shame. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> what, uh, What's it like? What's your goodbye like on EastEnders when you've been there nine years, every single day except for yeah, eighteen it was, weeks? It, it was it was uh, it, the emotion sort of caught me by surprise. Really, they threw this lovely big old party mm. at the uh, BBC L Street Bar for me and Maddie, and they played like a you know as they do for everyone when they leave, like a montage of all your best bits. Yeah, and you know my family God. were there, and uh, so many people showed up, and it. Uh, you know, from the crew and the, and the cast. And, and yeah, I sort of went to do a speech to say thank you to everyone. And I, I just got caught in my throat. And I remember going, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not dead inside, it turns oh, no. out. So, oh, yeah, it was it was an emotional goodbye. And also, you know, scary. It was all, I, all I'd known. And, and it was a leap of mm. faith that, that I knew I had to take because I wanted to explore other things. And thankfully, it worked out. How long was the gap before you were then a massive movie star? <laughs> wasn't long was it it was less than two years that i Great. i was shooting yesterday yeah and then it was you know um, amazing about th- three years between leaving extenders and yesterday coming out but yeah it felt very quick you know less than two years uh, between auditioning and getting the movie and, and going on that journey yeah very lucky how was your mental health if i may ask you finish extenders let's say two weeks later when you're so used to this constant work and this constant thing, and now you're you have a day free, what do you do? Uh, yeah, some of it was sort of it felt quite freeing, you know, after so long yeah. of, of of just being able to go, oh, I can just do what I like now. And and again, I got lucky that things sort of came my way. I think if it, if I'd been less lucky, then maybe I would have had to sort of had to have those dark nights of the soul and gone, what what am I going to do? How am I going to? figure it out so actually I kind of just got to enjoy it but there, there were those moments of you know I remember that the, the day I left drove out the gates for the last time and parked up outside my flat and just thought blimey okay here we go you know as an adult yeah. I've never known this I've never known it you know and there I was at 25 sort of first time just sort of going now I don't know what's going to happen hopefully yeah. I'll be okay Man. I've just never yeah hopefully I'll be a massive movie star yeah don't worry about it <laughs> Yeah, if only I had that sort of brazen confidence. You do see yeah. some people who sort of go, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna make it," <laughs> and some, of, and some of them do, and you're just like, "Wow, that's amazing!" Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, you're also very good. Thank you. Himish, I've forgotten to tell you something, and I feel like an absolute. Ah, go on. I feel awful. I should have, I should have said it at the top actually, because we've gone really far back into your past and should have said it. I'll say it. It's all right. Look, we, yeah. yeah, no, look, we've, you've died. You're dead. Dead. You're dead. Dead. Typical. Mm. It's typical, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. What? What? Oh, how did no. you die? Yeah, I'm sorry. How did I die? Yeah. I, I, look, it was actually quite banal. I had this thing where I sort of trip on a, on the pavement or on my own foot at least once a day. At least once a day, I'm okay. walking down the street and I, I, I sort of lose my footing. <laughs> and so I think it's going to be something that boring. I'd like to think that I've lived, you know, to a, a ripe old age so that my kids are, you what's, know... What's that age? Let's go 
you know, 87. Maybe there's nothing else wrong with me. I'm still, I'm still walking fine. Yeah. And then I just sort of just, I just trip on, on a, as I do every day, except this day, yeah. it was at the top of a flight of, you know, concrete steps. And I just sort of go hurtling oh, wow. down them and, and break a few bones along the way and then smash m- my head on, on the bottom one and off, off we go. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think it's... Are there loads of, are loads of people around? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people yeah. who just sort of go, who's that? What a loser. <laughs> right. You know, what, what, a, what a crap way to die. <laughs> I think some of them are slightly traumatised. I'd like to think some of them at least have... A sort of shocked. Maybe sure, at the beginning yeah, yeah. they're like, "Oh, this seems funny," until yeah. your face explodes and you're like a watermelon on them. And then they feel really bad. Yeah. Yeah, and then they go, "Oh God, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have laughed." And then someone yeah. goes, "Does anyone know who that was?" And they're like, "I can't. I mean, there's no recognizable features. He's, he's, it's like a watermelon. I don't know what." what yeah, that's what, really good as well. I, I, I'd, I'd like that to be the and, case that you know, despite a, a lifetime, yeah. hopefully a lifetime at that point of being in movies and TV and uh, that I die yeah. in such a way that no one... The only time you recognised... Yeah. <laughs> was it the point of your death? <laughs> yeah. At the top, as you fell, someone went, is that yeah. the Is that... And then it oh. got to the bottom and they went, there's no way of knowing. <laughs> there's no way of knowing. <laughs> <laughs> That's ideal. That is a, yeah, that is my ideal death. Yeah. Um, Do you worry about death, Himesh? Yeah, I do. I mean, more so my own death I worry about since I've had kids. I sort of, yeah. I, I worry that, uh, you know, because I think death can, in, at the worst times, it can be so sudden. Now my death has a real uh, a material effect on someone's life, existentially. Mm. So, yeah, I do worry about that. And I've, I've always had a sort of odd, maybe an obsession, actually, with death. Because um, some of my earliest right. memories I was in, I was in, uh, are being at my granddad's funeral in, in India. I was three when mm-hmm. I went out there and he, my mum took me out there because he knew he was going to, he was going to pass away and he wanted to meet me and met me. I met him and then like, you know, it was a very quick decline. And, and so I was out there for the, for that. And it was like, you know, a very traditional Hindu ceremony and they, you know, they had him sort of laid out in the house and stuff like that. So my earliest memories, it was mm-hmm. <laughs> very much about death. So I think I've, I've often realised I've had this sort of understanding of mortality for, for almost all my life in a way that maybe other people, you know, it develops over time. Yeah. Uh, do you happen to remember, you were only free, so I don't know if you would, do you remember seeing his body and all of that? Do you remember that being sort of scary or comforting? Or Apparently or, I was curious. Was there any version of it that was like a nice thing? I think okay. I was, apparently, my mum tells me I was curious. He'd, uh, he donated his, his eyes and but they you know he was laid out so they 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 put cotton in, in his in his eye sockets oh <laughs> such God. a grim such a grim thing to say the the meaning behind it yeah. is quite lovely he donated his eyes but yeah so i remember obviously <laughs> that was uh, actually probably quite a traumatic thing for a 3 year old to be looking at yeah. uh, um but <laughs> my mum dresses it up so as the eyes so, sorry to us were the eyes open <laughs> With, uh, with like white cotton. I think I think so. I think that's like... probably the only reason I would have asked. Otherwise, I would have just been like, "He's got his eyes shut." Yeah. But, so y- yes, safe to say, death it forms the baseline of perhaps all mm. my trauma. <laughs> um, then you are on yeah. the perfect. This is it, isn't it? That's why I'm here. Yeah. This is it. What do you think happens when you die? As I think about it a lot, but I'm also not. I think spirituality has played a part in my life, but ultimately, I'm not someone who, who necessarily believes in. A, a genuine sort of physical afterlife 
where where we're all actually you know present in some way mm. but i think uh, maybe we don't necessarily understand uh you know the sort of parameters of sort of consciousness and what what you know the way that people talk about sort of perceiving time and how that can change and uh, depending on sort of how things are ticking along in in your brain mm. my theory is that when one has that sort of final moment before you die that maybe you actually perceive it as as something really long and so you you create some sort of heaven in your head just before the lights go out and it can last as long as you want it to last you know so to all of us outside of it we're watching it going uh, they took their last breath and they're gone but maybe in our yeah. our experience of death that we, before we take that last breath we actually get to you know have a a sort of you know long 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 time in this in this world we create in our head with all the people we love or however so you choose to sort of create something that's what i like that's that's what i use to comfort myself when i think about death <laughs> like a weird sort of bubble i've never i've never heard that before i really like that thank you that is a brand new theory i really like it but so then so then my question is if that's the case and i do like that yeah that it's this sort of dreamscape that you make last as long as you want when that reaches its end then what then then it but you'd you'd be on you'd be feeling more euphoric than you've ever felt before so you'd feel accepting of it you know what i mean but then it's like nothing (laughs) avoid then it's a void then it's yeah we're all we're all done at that point yeah so it's like it's that. kind of on one hand really lovely, on the other hand, completely bleak. Given your your very deep words about the perception of time and and space and eternity, yeah. uh, do you understand Tenet? <laughs> I walked into that one, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> I do actually. Um, uh, okay, to some degree. Good. It actually it did take it did. I did actually watch it twice and uh, in the cinema and. But I think uh, Chris's movies are designed to be that way, aren't? Especially that one. Yeah, but you have to design- watch the twice. I had to draw a map when I got home. And so this was the, this was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he himself has has this map in a notebook somewhere. You know, but yeah, it, it also seems to me that he just creates these concepts in it, and that's his genius. He just has it all. Um, yeah mapped out in his head. He's like, it's obvious, isn't it? I'm like, oh god, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got news for you, buddy boy. Uh-huh. There is a heaven. Oh, maybe great. for you, maybe for you, it's one you've created in your dying seconds. Maybe we'll see. Right. And this heaven, it's filled with all your favorite things. It's filled with your favorite thing. What's your favorite thing? Beyond my children and my partner, I'd, I'd say chocolate. So it's filled with chocolate. You know what? You know those um, like dairy milk, those squares. That's what you sit on. Amazing. But they're like yeah, the yeah. right temperature. That they're just soft enough. They're not liquid but they're yeah. just you know what i mean perfect and the walls are like liquid chocolate that just is like a fountain the whole time sort of china chocolate factory style yeah and there's a sort of flake that serves you a giant flake and it serves you trays of chocolate and dairy milk buttons and shit and there's toblerone mountains over there and shit like that. i mean it's great and there's um chunky kit kat says like uh cars anyway they're delighted <laughs> to see you in heaven great and, and they, but they want to talk, they're big fans, they want to talk about your life, they want to talk about your life through the medium of film. And the first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing, Imesh Patel? My initial thought was that it was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. And my, lasting, my only lasting memory of going to see that movie is not watching it, was being huddled into my mum 
from very early on, something scared me. I was just basically mm. refused to watch most of it and then turned around when they were winning at the end. So um, <laughs> I can't really, I don't know. If, <laughs> but also that wasn't, it, it, it transpires, that wasn't necessarily the first movie I remember watching or not watching in that case. Actually, the first movie I remember watching is a Bollywood movie uh, called Hama Gehekon, mm-hmm. which I think translates to uh, <laughs> Who Am I to You or some. I would say. Uh, which isn't nice. necessarily a great title for a movie. Um, yeah, I've got a memory of sort of the curtains parting maybe during an intermission or something because uh, Bollywood movies, and I don't know if they're still the case, I've sort of lost track uh, over the last 10 odd years of Bollywood, but, you know, I used to, it was what we watched as a family growing up. They were all really And where was really this? Where were, you, where were you watching uh, well, this? So back then in the 90s, it, you know, now you could probably go and watch most Bollywood movies at your local multiplex, you know, that, that, that it's got a pretty good distribution yeah. now. Whereas back then, it would be in those sort of metropolitan hubs where there was, there was a big sort of South Asian community. So for us, it was Leicester. We would drive to Leicester right. and go and watch movies there. And, you know, it was, it was more often than not a really fun experience because you've basically got this packed cinema full of everyone looks like you. They're more or less from the same background. Yeah. And you're all digesting this movie in roughly the same way. No one's got expectations of it being, you know, anything else. But also everyone's probably talking throughout it or whatever. I, I, if, I, if I went into that situation right. now, I'd probably be driven up the wall. But <laughs> back then it was, again, again, all you knew. So, yeah. But this film was, it, you know, I've not watched it in years. Growing up watching Bollywood, it was almost more about the songs than it was about the film. Mm. The, the songs, the soundtracks were the things that ended up sort of making the movies the sort of all-time classics that they have sort of since become. But this is also yeah. one of those movies, and I think, you know, I only just sort of read up on it, having realised it was probably the first movie I remember seeing. But I'm sure a lot of movies of that era you could look at now and go, it's just a bit off. It's a bit, the sort of the, <laughs> the, the morality of this whole thing and the sort of gender stereotyping is, a, is quite problematic and uh this is sort of like it's like this big family and it's all based around a wedding they're a very rich family it would seem but that you know and there's a young guy and he's his brother's getting married i think but then his brother's wife dies uh, she falls down the stairs and i i, I scanned through it recently oh. i mean that her falling down like the stairs you. was yeah yeah weird that hey um oh but uh, i'd like to think that when i fall down the stairs and die it'll be slightly more dramatic and believable than than what was presented in this movie because it, it I I was openly laughing when I when I sort of revisited it recently <laughs> it was it, beyond absurd it was like you know something from Toast of London or something it was it was just like so there's there's something funny in watching it with a nostalgic eye going this this stuff is just absurd I mean the songs are kind of great from a Bollywood musical point of view but the story's all over the place and the sort of uh, the thing of going families and duty and all this stuff, which, you know, on some level is a beautiful mm. sort of bedrock of the culture in which I grew up. There's also an element of going, yeah, but also not not necessarily doesn't have to be so simplified. Like they've got this thing where like the female lead sort of talks about working in computers. It's as simple as that. Mm. She works in computers, but then she you never see her do anything like that in the whole movie. In the whole movie, she's just like cooking and dancing right. and being a good woman of the house and you're like that's just rubbish <laughs> when you say uh, everyone everyone's talking in the cinema is it 
Are they talking like catching up or are they talking at the film? Are they chat, like, are they <laughs> angry with both, the film actually. or is it also like, right? You're probably right <laughs> that it is. Yeah. It, I think it, that I, in my head, it was just people sort of interacting with the film. And there is a bit of that, but you're right. Probably some of them, is, they're just catching up. They're just having a little chat, talking yeah. about, you know, gossiping about about family stuff or whatever. <laughs> that's nice. Um, <laughs> so, like that. yeah, that's my, that's my earliest memory of being in a cinema. I feel sorry for your mum at uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers that you're not watching it and she's like, so I've got to fucking sit yeah, through this. <laughs> she's got to sit through it. <laughs> what do you think we're uh, Oh, well. uh, Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans, yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbor, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. What is the film that scared you the most other than Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Yeah, yeah, that was up there. I still think about it. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the sort of predictable answer for this one would be The Shining, but I, I and I will give it a shout out. It is a phenomenal movie. I think I, I had I had sort of had it sort of tarnished in my head because of the stories of sort of Kubrick and uh, the way that he treated mm. Shelley Duvall, and I thought was well, Jack Nicholson was part of that. But then I sort of 
I think maybe recently Shelley Duvall kind of said that Jack Nicholson was actually really good to work with. So maybe the jury's out on that bit. It's still an amazing movie and it's still, it it basically taught me what I love about the kind of horror that I like, which is that sort of drip feed of dread uh, over, over, you know, a period of time. I'm not really that big on jump scares. I, I prefer something that's just creepy. And so my choice is actually a film called It Follows. Ah, it's a great film. Yeah, it, I mean, it still, I watched it about a year ago again, and it's just, it has it has got some jump scares, but married with yeah. that, it's just got this phenomenal concept of like, you know, that it it's this sort of curse that gets passed on when you have sex with someone. And then you basically, you see this, some someone basically slowly walking towards you. And when mm. they, if they get to you, they, they will sort of kill you in the most gruesome way. But you can outrun them. You can keep running away from them. They're never going to run after you. They're just going to yeah. keep... And only you can see them. It was such a genius concept for a, for a horror movie, I thought. Yeah. And, you know, it, since people have analysed it and, you know, talked about how it's you know, sort of an allegory for sort of STDs and whatever that sort of thing. But I'm sure that there might be some truth to sort of that being the the germ of the idea but it just as as a horror movie it's really got just a, a brilliant concept cinematically you know you can just because there's a lot of these like yeah. panning shots there's a shot in the in in the school i think they're at where the camera just sort of is on a revolve i think and you're sort of and now you're aware yeah. of the concept you're just watching everyone in the background going is that is that is that is that and actually one of them kind of is i think but you never then sometimes you don't it cuts to another scene and you're like was it was it (laughs) and so i really loved it i thought it was fantastic and it's oddly a horror film that i will happily watch again often with horror you kind of don't want to go back to it because it's too disturbing but (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's a really good one what about crying do you cry a lot and what's the film that made you cry the most you cry it yeah i think there are some films that can really hit me but the one that most recently i watched and knocked me for six was um a film an animated film called song of the sea it's an an irish animated film i know that the team behind it have made a film called the book of kells i think it's called but i haven't seen that actually i've still only seen song of the sea it's a this beautiful story about a family the mother's died i think the idea is she died giving birth to the to their second child and so this dad is sort of raising these two children and, and they end up going on this sort of adventure altogether. It's sort of based on sort of like Gaelic sort of myths. And there was just, a, there's a point towards the end where, you know, the, the little boy has never met his mum and he, he gets to see her in this sort of spiritual form. And they have this option of sort of bringing her back or something like that. And I just remember, I haven't watched it since. And I certainly haven't watched it since having kids of my own. Because I just think it's going to destroy me. Because <laughs> even just thinking about it now, <laughs> yeah. it's just like it, it, this. It's basically this idea that they have to they have to accept their loss, that she's gone, you know, mm. and that they'll be okay. They'll be okay without her. And it's just, I mean, I just remember going, if I've, I've never sort of openly howled crying at a movie, but that I was close with this. You know, and I was watching it at home. I could have if I wanted to. Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was quite early on in my relationship and my partner had suggested watching this movie. And I think if I just sort Uh-oh. of completely lost it, um, maybe I wouldn't be here today with two kids. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a be- beautiful film. The animation's gorgeous. The music's stunning. And it's just so, yeah. so heartfelt. And I recommend it. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, 
but I, I yeah, I was moments away from just. He was a gunner. Yeah. Did your was your partner crying? Yeah, we you know, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were, no, you she's, were not, you, she's you, dead inside. She's yeah, she couldn't care less. She she wasn't looking at you like what? Yeah. What's wrong with you? She's just scroll, scrolling. <laughs> I said we should watch it because I like cartoons. <laughs> What's the film that people don't like? It is not critically acclaimed, but you love it. You don't care what anyone says. I'm picking a film that was picked by our, our mutual friend, James McNicholas. Uh, I'm going with Batman Forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman Forever. Great shout. Great shout. My thing with that movie started because it came, I think, when I was five. And I remember I had some cousins who came yeah. over from abroad and they we all went to the cinema. They got to go and watch Batman Forever because it was like a 12 or something and I wasn't allowed to go with them. Mm. So it kind of took on this sort of... Because I also loved Batman. I loved watching that sort of animated series as a kid. But I'd never seen the, a film of Batman at that point. Um, so it kind of took on this sort of legendary status in my head of this is the Batman film that I'm going to watch at some point. And then eventually we, I think we got it on video and I watched it sort of maybe a few years later. And was just obsessed with it. As a kid, I was obsessed with it because it was Batman and I loved it and I, I, I thought it was genuinely great. And I was largely obsessed with Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Right. But I, we watched it during lockdown as a sort of, you know, stick it on, why not? We haven't got anything else going on. Yeah. And it'll be fun to revisit it. And it, it in my head, it actually, it stood, obviously there's parts of it that just awful and make no sense. But I can't help but love it. I'll always love it, you know, because... Yeah. And I, I actually still really enjoy, like, Jim Carrey is like, I think, in a way, it feels like he's the only one who knows what movie he's in, to some degree, or does it well enough. You know, I, th- like. I think the problem with it, it's got Two-Face in that one, right? Yeah, that's Tommy Lee Jones. As well, yeah. yeah. Every, and Anuma Thurman as Poison Ivy. She's in the next one. Yeah, that was the next oh, one. Oh, she's the next yeah. one. Oh, this is, Nicole Kidman yeah. is in this one. Yeah, and this Nicole one's got Kidman. a good soundtrack. Well, it's, yeah, it's got um, Kiss from a Rose by Seal, which actually yeah. J- James McNicholas told me this recently. He's a he, bit of tidbit of trivia. The Kiss from a Rose, A, was on Seal's album from like two years before that, and then was also on the soundtrack for oh. Never Ending Story 3. But it didn't, no didn't, didn't pick up any attention from that, that movie. <laughs> and then it's this odd, odd sort of thing when you look back on the 90s and these huge blockbusters just had these like random soundtracks of assorted songs that, yeah that they just sort of and but, they had hold, hold me kiss me kill me thrill me but yeah by you was too also, yeah but it was yeah. so funny to me yeah. that like this era where seal had already released this song on his album it gained no traction twice and then yeah <laughs> and then it came out with batman forever and it won him a grammy he won like three grammys wow. for that one song because of a batman movie <laughs> Whereas now you just can't, there isn't, there isn't that same thing. There isn't a soundtrack album of pop songs for a Batman movie, yeah. is there? It's, uh, um, it's weird, you're right. But yeah, I sort of loved watching it. I, I believe Two-Face gets defeated by some coins. I think Batman throws some yes. coins at Two-Face and he falls over. That's how, that's how he gets defeated. So that's... Yeah, I remember loving Batman Forever because I was young. But I think the issue with it, and, and it's, it's worse in Batman than Robin, what Jim Carrey's doing is sort of very loud and fast and high energy and crazy, but so is everyone else in that film. Tommy Lee Jones is also yeah, doing that. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's gone mad. There's no uh, there's no boundaries in it. No one's there's no boundaries of performance. No one's going. Maybe you could rein that back yeah. just a little bit. It's like they've all looked at Jim Carrey and gone, "Oh, we do that. We do, we we're going at that speed, are we?" Tommy Lee Jones is off his nut in that film. 
He is, yeah, but he's... He's really I, going I, for it. He's going for it, but he still just doesn't reach the height of Jim Carrey in my book. Like, this is something... But I think it's well, yeah. that thing, I, I think I read that they didn't get on or something, or Tommy Lee Jones had just didn't have time for Jim Carrey. And I think it was that thing right. of like, because I think he, he was doing it, but maybe not enjoying it, whereas maybe Jim Carrey was doing it and genuinely enjoying it. <laughs> just being yes, off the I wall. think that's, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. I think that shows. Interesting. What about a film that you used to love, but you've watched recently and you don't like it anymore? And I'm glad Batman Forever holds up for you. Thank you, yes, it, for this, I've gone for a movie called The Party. I don't know if you're familiar with this, Peter Sellers movie. The Peter the Sellers, yeah, yeah. Very, um, I could, I could see why you, <laughs> one might have an issue with this. But go on, tell us. So it's a movie about Peter Sellers plays uh, naturally. Peter Sellers plays uh, an Indian actor uh, by the name of. Uh, go on. By, <laughs> by the name of. Uh, I think his name is Hrundi V. Bakshi, and uh, he has come over to uh, Hollywood by some sort of machination. I don't remember exactly why. And he sort of, he ends up at this party, and it's basically just uh, 90 minutes or whatever, however long it is of him just making an absolute fool of himself. You know, but ultimately, and I, I remember watching it because it was one of those movies that I, I, my dad was fond of. And it's so odd right. sort of looking back on that and going, Dad... Why do you find this funny? Yeah. I've actually not asked him this. I think I might ask him this now. I was like, what, what did you, th- where's, what's the humour there, you know? But I think it's that thing of going, like, they can, you know, you can laugh at yourself, but it's where it's the people, it's like, mm. the reason Goodness Gracious Me works as a TV show is because it's made by four brown people. And so they're allowed to do all the yeah. jokes about brown people. Whereas watching a movie like this, you're like, everyone involved in it is white, for sure. <laughs> there's absolutely no way there's a single brown person on that set in 1960 whatever and so they're all just going let's just you know brown face up peter sellers just make him out like in what we assume a stupid indian man would be like if he came to hollywood and it was kind yeah. of odd sort of watching it again i'm in prep for this it was the first thing that sort of popped into my mind and i sort of scanned my way through it and just went the gags are, are, are on paper great gags you know it is it is funny mm. but it, it's not it's none of it's okay, really. Ultimately, it's very mis- <laughs> it's very misguided, and to kind of imagine yeah. a bunch of people sort of going, "This is great! This is so funny! What a great idea! Yeah. <laughs> We're brilliant, aren't we? Brilliant, you know." Yeah. But then I read something really odd that apparently, like I think, like someone really—I mean, maybe it might have even been like Satyajit Ray or some like a very respected Indian filmmaker was a huge fan of of it or something. And just really? went and, re- and wanted to work with Peter Sellers. So there was an odd thing. I don't know. It, it kind of made me think about sort of the bar that one, that one sets for oneself based on where mm. you're sort of placed societally, you know. And you just kind of go, well, what can I expect? I'm just going to laugh at, I guess I'm a joke or, or, I don't know, we're getting into sort of deep psychological stuff here. But like, it's no, funny to it. me that like generationally it's, you know, it maybe is accepted by yeah. a generation who go, who I guess in some twisted way feel represented. Well, maybe, maybe if it's, if it's literally the only thing as well. Yeah, it's like, it well, must have been, yeah, back then. I mean, at, yeah. in that arena of, of, of on that side of the world. To even, mm. For them to even acknowledge that, that brown people exist, that South Asian brown people yeah. exist, would have been amazing, you know. But it just doesn't leave a good taste uh, anymore. So as, <laughs> as, as much of a genius yeah, as Peter Sellers is. So, yeah. Very good answer. What's the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is good, but the experience you had seeing it 
will always make it meaningful to you, Miss Patel? What is it? This is a, a sort of a bit of a wide-ranging answer. And I, I guess you'll probably make me pick one of them, but in my head, it's sort of the Lord of the Rings films. Because okay. in my it was a real a sort of turning point in my life on many levels. And it sort of those early years of sort of transitioning from uh, to primary school to secondary school and everything. I didn't find it easy. I didn't enjoy it. But for those three years at Christmas, there was a promise of this massive movie that I was going to love. And the first one I ended up seeing with my dad and a friend of mine, but because I didn't really know what it was. And then I was like, this is really good. And then I read the books. And so the second mm-hmm. one and the third one, I went, I went to see with my sister, both of them. And I look back on them now, and I think they're amazing movies. I think they were real game changers in terms of blockbuster cinema. But there's just there was just something special about of the security of it and the comfort that it gave me. And I guess if I pick one, I'll, I'll pick the last one, Return of the King, because it was the first time I remember being so excited to go and see a movie, you know, mm. just being like, this is it. It's all been building up to this one, and the cinema's going to be packed, and we're all just going to be like, how's it going to play mm. out? It's going to be amazing. And, and you know, my, I'm very close to my sister, and so to have that sort of, those memories of, of going to see those movies with her and just being so excited about it. And it turning, was a it turning thing, out wasn't to be it? like I, incredible I, as well. They weren't a disappointment at all. They were yeah. quite something. Yeah. Um, that it was this event every Christmas. It yeah. Was a, yeah. It was a real thing. Yeah. That's nice. So I'll go with, I'll go with Return of the King. Let's go with that, that third one. You, I'm actually going to let you have all three because... Thank you. Because the point of your answer is all three. And I don't normally do that. I've let you have a different sort of heaven and this. I don't know what's going on here. I've gone soft in my old age. <laughs> what is, good. is the film you most relate to? film I most relate to... I'm going with Boyhood. Again, wow. I was so excited to see this movie because I'm a huge fan of Richard Linklater and I was... Yeah. I'd actually recently, within like a year, had seen the Before trilogy and just fell <laughs> fell in love with that. You know, it, it, Amazing. Yeah. And I'd never seen someone do that with time, you know, tell a story yeah. over, what was it, 18 years. Yeah. And then to know that he had this movie sort of coming down down the road, but he'd been shooting over 12 years and I, I, I was just so excited for it. It felt like the kind of thing that's done in huge budget filmmaking, except I, it, it wasn't that yeah. at all and it, I knew it was going to be something really personal and special. What I wasn't expecting was just how personal it would feel to me because I was roughly mm. the same age as, as the character in the movie, if maybe sort of five odd years off, but there was still a lot of the same sort of cultural touch points. Well, at the end of the movie? Yeah, yeah, sort of, you know. Yeah. The, so, you know, start shooting in 2002 and a lot of those sort of touch points, just they really, I, I was like, I remember like waiting in line to pick up a Harry Potter book and, and then the sort of the music he was listening to. Like There was this one point where there was like this like, Foo Fighters album track from like their 2004 album and it was just playing in the background of a scene and I on one hand I just appreciated the sort of detail of of the the sort of timeline of it all but I was just like I used to listen that's like one of those tracks that no one knows that I that I know and it's in this movie you know mm. and then you know stuff like he had this at, at the end when he's like driving I think to college and he stops off to take a picture and it was it, he was using the same camera as the one that I had at the time you mm. know Canon 7D, I think it was. I just remember going, this is really weird. And then the song that was actually then used in the trailer, and then at the end of the movie, this song called Hero by Family of the Year. I'd already heard it like two odd years before. It's a friend of mine and maybe like this long like Spotify playlist, and it was on there. And I remember going, oh, that's a beautiful song that is. So there was this odd sort of confluence of stuff that was already sort of in my life 
and it wound up being in this movie and and obviously naturally the movie is about about life and those those teenage years and, and how difficult and tumultuous they can be emotionally and yeah i just it, it was really moving and really masterfully done i thought you know it could easily have been so gimmicky and so mm. sentimental and actually you know there's something about richard linklater's sort of tone he he never he never gets too i'm never annoyed by this sort of he, he's sentimental but it's it's in it's, it's such a truthful sentimentality i find it's oh yeah yeah he's amazing he loves people he loves yeah. people and he but he it doesn't you're right he's not sentimental it isn't like cheesy i think the fact that he really really gets time means that anything that's kind of moving is fully earned because it's like yeah time has happened yeah <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean like it isn't sort of manipulative it's yeah it's amazing that's a great answer tired of spills and stains on your sofa wash away your worries with anabay anabay the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices that's right sofas from only 639 dollars Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hello, my neighbor Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans? Yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbor, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen in Hospital? <laughs> I tell you, 
the truth is that I didn't have an answer for this like 20 minutes before we started recording. And I was like, I was like going, what, what is going on here? Why am I struggling to find a sexiest movie? And I realised it, well, I haven't realised fully. My, my hunch is that, you know, growing up in a culture that more or less it goes, well, sex doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Uh, you know, right. every Bollywood movie will more or less either revolve around or end with a marriage. And it's romantic, mm-hmm. there's love, but sexy and, and sort of the sex part of it was never present. And so you're sort of led to sort of go, well, I guess sex is something that is, is probably shameful and I shouldn't, <laughs> I should never, right. yeah, yeah. I should never enjoy it. So it took me a minute <laughs> to go, sexiest film, because it, I might. I think I, that's I, why it's such big news. You have, you, you do it three times a week. I think that's why it became. I think that's what it is. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still need to find out how that got <laughs> out there. Um, yeah, so, but I, I had to sort of go, most recently, I think the sexiest film I saw was, was Hustlers. Um, Fuck. Yes. Y- yeah, it's just undeniably, 100%. you're never going to forget the first time J-Lo turns up in that movie. You're just never going to forget it. Uh, you know, and it's... You're never going to... You're never going to forget that and you're never going to get over her hugging in a big old fur coat. <laughs> yeah. You're just never going to go over it. The, there's the initial thing of going, this is really sexy, just on a primal mm. level, it's just really sexy. And then you're like, what's really sexy is that sh- she's really good at she's everything very, she does. Very, very good. Just good. She really pulls is. off this amazing performance in this movie, I think, and it, it just throws herself into this character... That is also a very sexy thing, I think. But yeah, it's a very sexy movie. So that's my answer. Yeah. I mean, it's a perfect answer. Can't believe it took you this long to get there. It's Hustlers. <laughs> it's obviously Hustlers. Obviously it's Hustlers. What? There's a... Well, <laughs> it's obviously Hustlers. <laughs> the subcategory to this question. Mm. Troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. Which may be all of your boners. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm... What, Do you have it? It really a, led me down that road of going... Of, oh, Every everything is a troubling boner in my life. <laughs> <laughs> a film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. What came to mind on this one was um, uh, there's a film called Disclosure, Michael Douglas, yes. Demi Moore film. Fantastic! And I, yeah, great, it was one great. of those that I, we, for some reason, the DVD was lying around. My parents used to have a shop where they would rent out films, uh, you know, latest blockbusters and like mm-hmm. some old films and whatever. And then every now and then they'd be like, I'd, I don't know, for some reason it didn't get returned or whatever. It'd end up coming into the house and it would just be lying around. And this movie was there, this DVD. And I remember just kind of going, oh, I wonder what this is. And there's quite early on in the movie, the sort of the, the, the crux of the whole thing is that Demi Moore's character uh, sort of coerces, quite, quite forcefully sort of coerces Michael Douglas's character into, into sort of having sex. Although I think the whole point is that they never really have sex, but there's, you know, some sexy stuff happens. Mm. And I I remember going, this is kind of, because it's kind of hot. It's kind of like, you know, because then he kind of does get into it and and it's a bit angry and, and you're just like, oh, I think it's hot, but I don't think it should be. And it definitely shouldn't be because it's, (laughs) it's not really consensual, is it? And then the movie goes off on this weird tangent towards the end where he... Have you seen it? It sort of winds up in some sort of weird 90s... I have seen it, but I haven't seen it in years. VR. It becomes like a corporate computer thriller or something. Yeah, because it's basically they're working for a tech company and then he, he winds up in some VR space looking through files to prove that she did something or didn't do something. But it's like, it's like you know, yeah. Windows 95. 
virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, it's quite funny to look at now. There's like this very odd moment where like Demi Moore's face is like sort of superimposed onto this very blocky 3D figure. And it's just laughable. <laughs> Maybe in 94, 95, whenever it came out, it was like the peak yeah. of technology. People were like, wow. Yeah, they couldn't have imagined Avatar back then. But um, now it just looks like <laughs> a terrible video game. <laughs> well done. What is the greatest film of all time? Objectively, the greatest film. Objectively. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because it, it... Well, it's, we're saying objectively. Objectively, yeah. yes. I'm going with 2001 A Space Odyssey. You can have it. I, I kept wanting to find something that might have a bit more sort of humour. But then I thought, well, I think there is some humour. I think Hal, Hal is kind of funny. Yeah, Hal's funny. You know, I feel like The Godfather sits alongside this in terms of films that changed uh, Western cinema, at least really were shifts, you know, and I think Godfather becomes that because I think really it's about those actors. And, you know, for me, it was definitely like a game changer. But 2001, I was like, this is astounding. The scale of this is in a way more epic and tangible than anything I've grown up watching because it was literally, mm. you know, it was all miniatures. And yeah, there's a, there's something about that that's just, you're, you're not going to get it with CGI. And and just the, I, uh, the, the confidence of it, tonally you know to make a movie that breathes like that i don't know if you'd be able to do it today really would you i mean it's we're not used to that sort of movie that just sits on this sort of tone for that long and there's an element of what i was talking about with with sort of what i like about horror where it just sort of this dread this sort of thing just running underneath the whole thing where you're like what is happening i'm not and what I love about it is the mystery of it. You know, you don't really get any answers. It, you, it's so much is left up to interpretation. It's saying so much existentially and running through the whole thing. You have this sort of very gripping narrative, of this robot, that's this sort of AI that's trying to uh, sabotage everything. And so therefore it's also very prescient in everything, but it got the year a bit wrong. <laughs> we certainly weren't <laughs> doing that in 2001. <laughs> we wish. Yeah. But, um, you know, everything else about it was so was so on point and yeah and it's one I I you know love revisiting. It's amazing that it wasn't that we hadn't been to the moon yet when that was made and the way it yeah uh, yeah shows it's kind of amazing. It's I, amazing. I watched this right. documentary uh called Room 237. Yeah. yeah. And they 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 were sort of apparently there was a a, a theory that Kubrick shot 2001 as a sort of test run for faking the moon landings. That's sort of a a conspiracy yes. theory that goes around, yeah. um, which makes me laugh. And that he's acknowledging it in The Shining because the carpet. The carpet, like, yeah, uh, exactly, spacious. exactly, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It all makes sense. Yeah. What is the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? I avoided School of Rock. School of Rock is kind of the genuine answer, but I'm going to leave that to one side because everyone says perfect. it. I'm going. Uh, I, I was also then going to go for Interstellar, but I think it, maybe that's a bit weird. I haven't watched it in a while. I feel like if I watch it next time, I'm going to be crying a lot because I now have yeah. a, a children of my own. But I'm going for Michael Clayton. Oh, wow. Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I think it's a masterpiece. And uh, the writing, just it's the kind of movie that I will mm. watch over and over again just because I love to hear that dialogue. It's just so yeah, brilliantly written. That opening monologue, I remember watching it for the first time and I was just, I was just in straight away. I was like, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And Tom Wilkinson's performance is, is on another level. And yeah. I mean, everyone's just operating at the highest level. And it's, again, kind of quite 
it continues to be so relevant. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's got that sort of lovely sort of Hollywood button on the end. Sort of George Clooney gets to do his sort of charming sort of got ya at the end. But yeah, it's, uh, I just, I love it. I could watch it over and over again. It's a great movie. I think kind of underrated, maybe quite underrated or, or not as appreciated outside of sort of... Maybe underseen. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not enough people seen it. What's the on the other end of the scale? And we don't like to be negative, so we won't stay here too long. It's yeah. the worst film you've ever seen. Gone here with Cowboys and Aliens. This wow. is a yeah. I don't. It was like a 2010 movie, I think. It's one of those that Daniel I went. Craig. Daniel Craig, but it was it was what got John me was like, how yeah how did the how did it go wrong? The people you've got involved in. I believe Damon Lindelof was involved somewhere down the line in, in writing it. But you've got Daniel Craig, Olivia Wilde. Harrison Ford, Paul Dano's in it, Sam Rockwell's in it, and yeah, John yeah. Favreau, who you know is is one of the greats. It's it's just an odd one. I, I it's really not good, and I'm still sort of <laughs> trying to figure out how it how it happened. I think the issue with it is I don't think it's bad necessarily. I think that it's a film called Cowboys and Aliens, <laughs> and it's not fun. It's I like think really that's exactly serious, it, isn't it? Yeah, it's dramatic. very serious. Yeah, very earnest. It's very serious yeah. and dramatic and like, what if Cowboys and Aliens were... And you're like, hang on, wait, wait, wait. It's called Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like it's good... Sounds like fun. Yeah. Where's the fun? There's no Sorry, fun in it. I'm still not sure Ooh. about that. Siri, Siri's still not sure about that either. Siri, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Big fan, actually, of Cowboys and Aliens, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's... My memory of it is it's, is it's a good film, as in it's well done. It's just odd because it's not fun. It's like a quite a heavy drama about cowboys and aliens. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that's what it is. It's that I, I just couldn't take it seriously. But there are also like things in it mm. that just make very little sense. And I mean, one of the things for me is I think the way that the people get abducted by the aliens isn't that they just sort of get lifted up by a you know invisible force. There's literally like lassos that come down. <laughs> So it's like, hang on. So the is it cowboys? But it's serious. Cowboys are aliens. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> was there a misprint? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, cowboys or was... aliens? What's the funniest film you've ever seen? What's the film that made you laugh the most? I'm going with Blazing Saddles. Excellent. My, it was one of those movies I think my dad introduced me to, and I'd never seen anything like it at that point. It was just so anarchic. I'd never, I'd never seen anything yeah. so anarchic and so... But also watching it more recently and going, it made so many great points that continue to be relevant. There's the odd moment of going, okay, maybe now, if you make it now, there's bits and pieces that maybe need to shift here and there. I think Mel Brooks playing a Native American maybe not a good move, but it's brilliant. It really makes me laugh and, and especially the way it sort of just falls apart at the end. <laughs> I always yeah. enjoy it. I was just, it, it, it. To some degree, it always catches me by surprise that it, they just sort of they just. <laughs> it's because you're invested. Yeah, you are actually. It's because you actually are invested. You're emotionally invested in it. But I, lo I just love the idea of someone just going, "Well, uh, I, I'm not. I don't know how to finish this movie. So let's just. Um, <laughs> this is going to happen. Just let just let them do whatever they want to do, and we'll just figure it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll just we'll just run around the lot. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. Himesh Patel, you've been wonderful. However, when you were 87 years old and you went for a walk and you got to the top of some steps, concrete, by the way, and you, <laughs> and someone at the bottom of the steps looked up. They were fat. They were like, 
I think that's, is that him, Ash Patel? And their friends gathered, I think that's him. And then you tripped on your own, on a little step, and you fell down, down, concrete, concrete. People, people giggled, oh God, oh God, they said. And then you fell the last six steps, landed on your head, your head exploded like a watermelon. <laughs> and the people that were laughing went, oh God, I don't think we should have laughed at I think he, I think he's dead. And then someone said, do you know who it was? And they looked over and it was just your particles, just blobs of blood. There's nothing to, to really say who you are at all. It's just the torso of an 87-year-old man and blobs of blood <laughs> and brains. And someone goes, I thought it was him. As I go, how can you tell, they say. Anyway, I'm walking along with a coffin. You know, I'm like, and I, I see this crowd go around. I go, who's that? And they go, he says it was Himesh Patel. And they're going, it can't be that. How can you tell? And I go, well, there's no way of telling. Anyway, I pack, I, I say, give me a hand. We start stuffing your body in the thing. I'm like, can you, you see any bits of blob over there? Like, that we can, any bit of him, just grab it. People, people getting cheeky now. They're chucking in stones, all sorts of stuff as well. Anyway, coffin ends up rammed. Absolutely small. There's, it's jammed in there. There's nothing, there's no room. There's only enough room for me to slip one DVD into the side for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show the chocolate in heaven when it is your movie night, Mr. Himesh Patel? It's not one of the movies that I've picked so far. Is that okay? Great. Even better. It's Amelie. I'm going with Amelie. Good day. Yeah. Because okay, it's such a, li- it's a, it's a life-affirming movie, I think beautiful but the first time i saw it someone had left film four on the telly and mm-hmm. i was walking past and i just have a memory of walking past to go up the stairs and then sitting down on the sofa and not moving for two hours you know i was just so taken away by this movie so and it's just beautiful you know every time i watch it i feel you know the world is a better place <laughs> you know it's it's wonderful yeah. it's really gorgeous so it'd be nice to share, share, that. share that at heaven yeah what a lovely man he must tell is there anything people should look out for, listen to, watch, coming up? I mean, coming up, I don't know. Everything I'm doing, I have no fixed date for when it's coming out. But, I, um, you know, I, I did a series called Station Eleven. I'm very proud of it. It's in, in the UK. It's on, I think, what's now called Lionsgate Plus. I believe that's where it's on. I'd be, you could watch that. I did, I did get nominated for an Emmy. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Emmys, you Brett. Did. They're pretty, they're pretty um. fun. Um, it's a whole okay. thing. You'll get, you maybe you'll get invited one day, but um, okay. yeah, okay, um, <laughs> yeah. So I did that. I, I, That's good. But I've done a couple of short films that I, I'm I, I'm quite proud of. I did a short film called Enjoy, which is available on Disney Plus in the UK. I love that. I did a, a short film called Two Dosas, which is on YouTube. Um, okay. and a short film called The Fox, which is also on YouTube. Three short films. You know, we're on a film podcast. I think. Giving shout-outs to short yeah. films is quite nice, so check those out. That's very nice. Himesh Patel, thank you for your time and for your excellent answers and for getting completely correct the greatest opening. You are brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day and good night to you. Thank you. So that was episode 245. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video with Himish. Remember to watch Ted Lasso and Shrinking on Apple TV+. Plus. You can go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but don't write about the show. Write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read and it always makes my neighbour Maureen happy. And you want to make her happy, don't you? 
We all want to make her happy. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're all well. Thank you to Himesh for doing this show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Brand new to them, so thank you for having us. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come join me next week for the resurrection of Edgar Bloody Wright. I hope you're all well. Thank you for listening. And that's it for now. Have a lovely week. And in the meantime, please... Be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my name, Maureen. Yeah, thank you.